is uh, very much a focus on you know, on the quality of the uh, product and the experience, and uh, you know, a real DIY kind of ethos that you know, you're constantly uh, tinkering with everything, trying to make everything as absolutely good as you can. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to be able to compete in this kind of market, and uh, you're not going to feel great about what you're what you're doing. There are many thousands of pizza restaurants in Australia but there aren't very many doing what Paul Caston does. His Deep End Pizza is a year old uh, business in Melbourne's Fitzroy, and he does unique pizzas showcasing some American styles. Paul, welcome to Dirty Linen. Oh, thank you, Danny. It's great to have you on the show, and I've had the um, had the privilege of spending some time with you at Deep End and watching what you do and eating some of the pizzas, most importantly. For people who haven't been as lucky as I am, give us a bit of a rundown. Okay, so, so what we do at Deep End, uh, basically offering three uh, regional American pizza styles. Uh, we, we do the uh, New York Thin Crust, which is basically your, your standard big round pie, then uh, the Detroit style little squares with the crispy cheese around the edge, and then our really decadent uh, Chicago stuffed deep dish pizza. Well, I mean, <laughs> you make it sound simple, but I know there is so much work that goes into each of these different styles. Perhaps tell us some of the differences in the ways that you need to make the dough and, I guess, create a timeline for these different pizzas. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, each, each pizza uses a, a completely different dough, different flours, hydration rates, uh, uh, different mixing techniques, uh, fat contents, uh, yeah, and are baked in uh, different ovens at uh, vastly different temperatures. So, yeah, it's been a whole lot to uh, figure out and to uh, get uh, fine-tuned for each style, but uh, we've been pretty happy with our results. Yeah, well, I mean, what has the response been like? Oh, boy, uh, the response has been just fantastic. Um, <laughs> just just looking out there into the dining room, seeing how uh, how happy people are when uh, they have a great pizza dropped in front of them. Is, uh, you know, it's just been very gratifying. Oh, it's so good. I think the pizza that I found the most surprising was the Detroit one. I felt like I had no uh, no. Uh, barometer for that like I really didn't know what it was uh, and to watch you put it together was um, so surprising can you tell us a bit more about that one in detail just take us through the many steps that go to create that amazing pizza <laughs> Uh, yes, yes. So the the Detroit sits on a uh, what I suppose a uh, focaccia like base. It would have evolved from uh, Sicilian style pizzas in the in mid forties Detroit. Um, it, it, it's something that you know, it it looks big and thick and heavy, but in actuality is is pretty light and airy and uh, super crisp. Um, to uh, to achieve that, what we have to do is basically go through a uh, par baking process that involves us handling each dough. Oh, I think it's uh, seven times before it uh, becomes a, a finished pizza. So from uh, panning it up to a second stretch to fermenting it to you know lining the cheese with. Uh, around the rim, the actual baking, removing it from the pans, the storage, and uh, yeah, it's uh, 
it, it's quite a process and you know not something everybody would be willing to put themselves through but you know, we feel <laughs> that that's what it takes to make it as good as it can be I think the thing that I loved perhaps the most, and there were many things to enjoy, was this sort of wall of cheese that uh, is around the perimeter of this pizza. Tell us about that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, basically, it uh, well, the the cheese itself is a, uh, a mixture of a low moisture mozzarella and a mild cheddar, and. Yeah, but the pan is, well, the pizza is topped with cheese all the way to the edges. So as it bakes for about, uh, what, uh, 12 to 14 minutes at 300 degrees, you end up with a nice line of crispy caramelized cheese all the way around. It's amazing adding to that textural experience. And with the Chicago pizza, like what is the, uh, I guess, the craziest iteration of that? And let's dive into the cheese pool factor as well. <laughs> oh, well, let's see. Craziest iteration. Uh, uh, actually, we, we have one that we've not debuted just yet that's going to be coming online as an occasional limited availability special where we're essentially uh, recreating the flavors of French onion soup in the form of uh, Chicago-style pizza. Uh, substituting beef fat for the oil and the crusts, um, straight down to right down to tons of caramelized onions, uh, rich beefy cheesy filling, and a big layer of comp day on top. That's a, that's about as a wild and crazy as I've gone with one of those yet. Um, I've been sticking, you know, pretty close to uh, traditional examples thus far. Uh, in terms of the cheese pull, uh, that's something. Uh, that's been, you know, it's always been popular in Chicago. It's a thing. People uh, will just lift a slice and, you know, get that Instagram shot with the uh, cheese stretched out a meter or so high. But uh, I was kind of surprised to see it uh, catch on so quickly here in Australia. It seems uh, <laughs> near every table that gets one is, uh, is shooting some kind of video or <laughs> taking a bunch of photos of just that. I mean, I, I have fallen victim to the cheese pool video myself. I, I don't know what it is that's so enticing about videoing melted, stretchy cheese, but yeah, there's definitely something to it. Uh, I mean, you, you pretty much unanimously get uh, a whole bunch of giggles and uh, or just outright laughter uh, from uh, from guests as I you know, see what the cheese can do. And we actually had a uh, cheese pulling competition for our uh, first anniversary. And uh, the the distance that could be pulled seemed to be pretty much limited by the height of the puller. So people were getting as high as they possibly could on their tiptoes and uh, the cheese was still stretching. <laughs> Did you measure it? Like, what, was there a winner? Uh, yes, yes. The, the winner came in at about 1.4 meters above the table. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, that gives me something to aspire to for the second birthday celebrations. All right. So, I need some platform shoes. Yeah, platform shoes, maybe a ladder and, yeah, some a bit of extra strength in my arms to work on. <laughs> Pizza training, it's going to be the best training. Um, so, Paul, you know, when people come and they, I suppose – they want to. They probably want to experience a number of different pizzas. Like, how do you sort of put a quality, deep end pizza meal together? 
Uh, yeah, that, that would actually be my suggestion. If you want to have the full experience, come with come with six or eight people. Get 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 one of everything. Get a couple of uh, a couple of salads and uh, yeah, just see if you can work your way through uh, through all the pizzas and uh, whatever whatever you can't finish is uh, we've got uh, reheating instructions on the box for you and you you're welcome to take it home. So so yeah. Bring a large group and just go for it. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Instructions to go for it. That is the best. Um, so <laughs> I'd love to learn a bit more about your backstory and how you got into this caper. Um, yeah, take us back. What uh, took you down this pathway? Oh, boy. Well, yeah, I, I suppose <laughs> like any kid, I, I always really loved pizza, but, you know, I, I, apparently uh, I'm Loved it just a little bit more than, than most. Uh, been a pizza nerd for a long time, but uh, my background in cooking is mainly in uh, high-end farm-to-table dining in the states, and then uh, done some uh, some good contemporary kind of work here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, it was really when the uh, when the COVID lockdowns uh, started, and uh, as a as a temporary migrant still at the time, uh, you know, I, I I lost my job and had to kind of well f- figure out what I wanted to what I wanted to do, how I wanted to continue in this career, or you know, even think about another one, and uh, uh, kind of brought me back to pizza being something I've always loved and had fun with, but uh, never really pursued professionally. And so, how did you start? Oh well, <laughs> well, since I had uh, you know months on end uh, sitting on my couch to scheme, uh, I started working on uh, on plans to do a little pizza pop up. Uh, there were I have a few friends who own bars in the neighborhood that had some uh, some kitchen equipment and infrastructure, and you know we. We kicked around a whole bunch of ideas and got close to doing it a couple of times, but then you know, come back out of lockdown and <laughs> you try to resume life, and uh, that those plans get pushed aside. So it ended up being uh, about uh, two years of uh, on and off looking for a space to do this, and from that uh, it evolved from a uh, a Detroit style pizza pop up into. Well, you know, I can also do thin crust. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, I, I, these deep dish pizzas are a lot of fun. Why not try that too? So, yeah, that's kind of how we ended up with our own little shop doing all three styles. I mean, you've worked a lot in in fine dining. Now you're doing pizza. Like, how do you sort of how do you think about that? Is is it? Did you have to sort of let yourself? Um, move into a more casual style of dining or is it just, you know, where the road took you? No, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think uh, the, way w- the way we approach it, uh, uh, most, of the, most of the chefs I've had in the kitchen with me also, you know, come from similar backgrounds, uh, not, not pizza people. Uh, you know, we, we approach it with the, basically the same kind of eye uh, for, you know, focus and quality that we would if we were still out there chasing chef hats and, you know, we're, Using the same uh, same quality of ingredients, same suppliers that we would be otherwise, and uh, yeah, just trying to uh, focus on uh, making everything that we do as absolutely good as we can. So you know, in in that respect, it's really not a a whole lot different uh, from uh, what we were doing before. 
Mm, well, I mean, having been in your kitchen and seen, I mean, let's just pick out, let's say the quality of the cheese, some of the specialty cheeses that you use, and then the, the extraordinary mushrooms, specialty mushrooms that you use. Um, is that the sort of thing you're talking about? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, uh, oh boy, yeah, from the, from the artisan of uh, single origin, single varietal uh, flowers that we're using to, yeah, uh, $60 a kilo wheels of cloth bound goat's cheddar from the UK, you know, proper, uh, proper Telegio and, uh, Gorgonzola and, well, and basically getting everything in whole and hand processing it ourselves. Uh, you know, the, these are the, yeah, yeah. These, these are examples of the, the, uh, sort of quality that we're aiming for. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm just writing a story at the moment about French bistros and, French bistros in Australia and how perhaps they differ from French bistros in France. And, you know, some of the people I've been chatting to speak about the fact that diners in Australia, they really want to see something special, something that they couldn't do at home, something that really makes them feel that they are, yeah, they're they're coming to an experience that's worth spending money on. I mean, do you feel that even though you're doing these American styles, that there is something that's very Australian about deep end. Oh boy, yeah, I think uh, yeah, uh, Australia seems to very much share that uh, kind of love of a, a quality food experience that uh, we really embraced back in uh, Portland, Oregon, where I worked for uh, many years before here. I think uh, it's uh, very much a focus on you know, on the quality of the uh, product and the experience, and uh, you know, a real. DIY kind of ethos that you're constantly uh, tinkering with everything, trying to make everything as absolutely good as you can. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to compete in this kind of market and uh, you're not going to feel great about what you're you're doing. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I do feel like Portland and Melbourne have some kind of unofficial sister city relationship. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, very, yeah. Very, very similar feel, uh, artsy, uh, food-driven kind of vibe, and, uh, yeah, liberal politics. and well. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. And, Paul, you know, the, the balance between tradition and innovation is something that pizza is very much bound up in. How, how do you balance those two things? Oh, well, I think uh, <laughs> in, in terms of... Tradition and you know, in terms of what I what I call my pizzas, uh, you know, I think um, I'm pretty well bound to uh, adhering very strictly to uh, the basics of you know what these styles represent. I'm not going to call something Detroit style if I'm messing around with it to a to a degree where you know I'm blurring lines there, but. Within within that context, there's still tons of stuff that can be done to uh, make it more interesting to modernize things. So. Yeah, interesting. And what about the venerable New York slice? Is there a way to modernize that, or does it just have to be what it is? Oh, like, uh, oh, really? I've got. Uh, infinite uh, topping and uh, flavor combinations to work with. So yeah, we uh, we treat that uh, that that thin, crispy, 
foldable crest ideal as something that we need need to get to and then build upon that that's that's pretty much the way to go there and do you have a favorite what a style to make or is, is there one that you know is more challenging than the others and therefore more satisfying when you nail it oh yeah yeah i think uh for me that that is the uh the new york thin crust it's the one that uh oh it's uh it it, it takes the most skill to uh hand stretch and put together the most the, the most feel in terms of uh, uh just how how you top it uh, yeah it, you, you can top it in various ways with the exact same amount of stuff uh, if you're not really kind of focused on how that's acting during the cook then you you get kind of dramatically different results out of it and you know just man yeah for everything in that dough from uh, managing fermentation to oven temperatures uh, you know watching just where your dough is at and uh, making adjustments uh, based on that. There's a lot more variables with that one than the other two. Mm, do you love it? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's heaps of fun. It's a, it's a, it's a great challenge and, uh, you know, and it you know, feels really good to be you know, slowly making progress toward uh, you know, hitting, the, uh, hitting the quality marks of you know, some of the uh, really old school places back home that I, I idealized the, as the, the prime examples of the style. Take us to one of them, Paul. Like what is one of the places that really, you know, nailed it as far as you're concerned? Oh boy. Let's see. Uh, for me, I, I could actually, I, I could pick one on, on each coast basically. Uh, <laughs> um, the last, last trip home, I pretty much ate, pizza all the way across the country at uh um first up would be uh, a pizza shoals in portland oregon uh, it's uh, run by a friend of my old boss uh, and uh, they do those those big crispy new york style slices and uh his background is in uh it's actually an artisan bread making so the you know the quality of the crust is uh, is just fantastic and yeah they, they've been consistently ranked in those uh you know all those top pizzerias in the u.s kind of lists for ages now and then uh, other favorite on the on the east coast would be uh john's of bleecker street so that's in the in the west village of new york uh, yeah, that, that's a place that's been around since, ooh, I, I think, the uh, 30s or 40s. Uh, coal-fired oven, serve whole pizzas only, no slices, no takeaway. And, uh, yeah, that, that kind of uh, old, uh, worn pizzeria look where you walk in and uh, people have been carving into the booths and the tables for decades. You know, pictures of Bruce Springsteen on the wall and uh, hugging the kitchen guys, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> wow. That sounds so atmospheric. Must be amazing to eat pizza there. Yeah. 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 It's um, Paul, we've got a lot of, you know, hospitality people that listen to this podcast and, you know, one of the biggest conversations at the moment is around costs and pricing. I guess pizza has this reputation of being, you know, an inexpensive food, but obviously you're applying, you know, fine dining principles to what you're doing and we know that, you know, all the other costs are, are always increasing. I mean, how are you finding the business side of it? 
Oh boy, <laughs> that was surprisingly difficult in the uh, in the current climate. Yeah, so basically, yeah, having opened just over a year ago, uh, we had uh, costed everything out, uh, and we were all set up to open, and suddenly my you know, my cheese prices jumped fifteen percent, and everything started climbing. That was. Uh, you know, that that period where lettuces were suddenly going for eight or nine dollars each and crazy things like that and you know well you know, some of that has has calmed down since uh, you know a lot of other costs have been steadily going up so oh boy i think unfortunately you know given that uh the general public is uh feeling it the same way we are it's been basically impossible to uh pass all of those costs along in terms of menu pricing so <laughs> basically our, our margins are just <laughs> you know, squeezed and squeezed and squeezed and uh, yeah that that side of things has been uh, yeah a little more well fairly stressful and uh, difficult we're still doing well enough to get by but uh Certainly uh, not as well as you would expect of a, a, a pizza restaurant doing good volume. So. Yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it? Because often people would look at busy restaurants and think, oh, well, they must be killing it. Um, they're so, there's so many people spending money there. But, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, we know that so often it's owners that aren't, um, yeah, the you know, owners sacrifice their own um salaries or, or um, drawings uh, because it's, um, yeah, you're just squeezed from both ends. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm in that boat myself. Uh, yeah. uh, so as the squeezes continue to be, to be applied, I've, I've had to cut myself back to a uh, part-time wage that is you know, just enough for me to barely uh, pay my personal bills while we uh, yeah, try to ride this thing out. Uh, I'm sure a lot of other operators are in the in the same boat. Yeah, I mean, which doesn't make it any easier for anyone who's um, who's sailing there. But um, yeah, I really do hope that things turn around. I mean, do you find that customers um, are receptive to you know your prices, or do you have to have conversations with people about no, this isn't this isn't that sort of pizza, guys? Yeah, I think you know once once they actually understand what we're offering, that uh, then we don't get much pushback, but. <laughs> Yeah, people, you know, we, we get people trolling us online uh, saying, oh my gosh, a 10-inch pizza for $50, that's insane. Uh, it'd be cheaper to fly to the U.S. and buy a pizza. This is ridiculous. And, uh, so there's, you know, there's definitely some education needed in terms of, <laughs> you know, just how big these things are, how much how much food we're given here. Yeah. And uh, once, once that once that point is effectively made, uh, you know, it seemed to come around. But, you know, that's still something uh, we're uh, you know, getting a lot of pushback from on, from individuals. And, yeah, really, with, uh, with wages and energy all just set to jump again, <laughs> got to look at, uh, well, unfortunately, raising prices even further. And so, you know, basically we're probably in store for another wave of those kind of comments. <laughs> wow. Well, it's, I mean, it's really disappointing, if not surprising to hear that. I just don't understand why people feel they need to take the time to 
comment on something like this, that when they're actually not forced to spend their money there. So I just find that really, really quite baffling. Um, but Paul, yeah, I suppose on a more positive side, I'm really looking forward to my next visit. Uh, what do you reckon I should order? Oh, boy. I, I think you should, uh, well, first off, uh, bring in a group of hungry people at, uh, at, and go, go for our, uh, our new Yes Chef menu. Uh, we've debuted that along with uh, a uh, collaboration beer of the same name brewed by a boat rocker for us. And what that will get you is a sampling of all three pizza styles, uh, a couple of salads, a starter or two, uh, dipping sauces, our house-made uh, chili salts, and basically get you the full experience. I am all about it. That sounds amazing. Um, Paul, all the best with um, yeah, meeting the challenges and feeding Melbourne great American-style pizza. Really appreciate you talking me through it. And, yeah, thanks for doing what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.